What is up, everybody? Jacob O'Connor here. And before we get into this interview with Andy Frisella, I want to give you just a short warning. Andy feels very passionately about cuss words, and he was sprinkling them in into the conversation as we went along. So want to give you a short head, a brief heads up that there will be some cuss words in this episode. However, it don't let it take away from the message. Um, Andy does an amazing job of getting his point across and being able to really help break concepts down, make them much simpler and easier to understand. And he has such an amazing story. So without further ado, let's get right into the interview. We thought, like a lot of business people think, when they start, that like all of our friends are gonna spy from us, right? And that's a, um, if you're thinking that right now, <clears throat> let me just save you the, the time, that they're not. Um, so we thought that, so our first day we're like, oh yeah, dude, all our friends, but, we, but one guy came in, his name was Nick Vespa, he bought a product for seven bucks, that was our first day, all right? The second day we didn't see anybody, nobody came in. The third day we sold 23 bucks. Took us eight months to have a day over $200. Um, took us six years to get a second store open. And, uh, you know, the first three years, we didn't take any money. And then years uh, four through 10, we made $695 a month. So that was our pay schedule for the first 10 years we were in business. So if you back the math out, um, we, we made $58,000, uh, $58,300 each for 10 years worth of work. Welcome back to the Venture Mentality Podcast, guys. I'm your host, Jacob O'Connor. Today, we have a very special episode for you. Today, joining us is none other than the MF CEO himself, Andy Frisella. Andy is a top podcast host, serial entrepreneur, and author, amongst many other things. Andy, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I am absolutely blessed right now, man. Super excited to be here. Um, I'm super excited to have you guys here. Yeah, this is awesome. Your new HQ is beautiful. Thank like, you. It, it's amazing to see, like where you started compared to where you are now like yeah. you always preach like going back to starting off making seven dollars in your first day and then yeah. here you are it's amazing but actually where i want to start is could you describe to us like I, with you i feel your background is so important to know you didn't come from money you weren't raised in a way where it's like you got all this seed capital from your father or something no. can you bring us back to what it was like what your upbringing was like yeah it was pretty regular man um you know we weren't poor we weren't wealthy i would say you know, I grew up in the working phase, so both of my parents were entrepreneurs in their own right, and I grew up um, in the phase where they were working to make their things go. So, <clears throat> but while both of them would have success, and then it would actually they would lose that success uh, later on down the road, I was privy to witnessing the struggle pretty much my whole upbringing from both sides of my family. My parents were divorced. Um, but they both were entrepreneurial minded and were entrepreneurs. Uh, but I mean, as far as like upbringing, man, it was like pretty much like a normal dude from St. Louis. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, rode the bus to school. We lived on a gravel road down in South County. Um, you know, grew up around all different kinds of people, went to public school, went to Washington Junior High and Trotline uh, in the Melville School District. And, you know, I played sports and did all the things kids do, you know? My main thing when I was young, uh, I was always interested in entrepreneurship. I always thought that was cool and I think that comes from just uh, being around it. 
And so like I was always, you know, I always had a little thing going, you know, like I, I sold baseball cards, I sold light bulbs door to door. Um, you know, anytime there was like uh, one of those sales contests around Christmas time at school, you know, they send you home with a little paper. Like I fucking love that shit, you know what I'm saying? So um, I always had that, I think in my blood. Uh, and I was always curious, like I can remember too, um, you know, I was always the guy, like I always took apart my dad's tools um, I was always building something, you know, I can remember building a go-kart out of two by fours and a, and a three horsepower uh, uh, lawnmower engine, you know what I'm saying? Because my dad wouldn't, they, they couldn't buy us that kind of stuff. So we, you know, and it ended up being a push cart. I never got it to run, but I'm just saying we drove it with a rope, you know, just normal stuff, man. You know, uh, definitely nothing, you know, nothing extraordinary about my childhood whatsoever other than you know i had parents that, that gave a shit you know about teaching me things so it was it, i ended up going to uh Vianney high school here in st louis uh didn't do very well academically uh played sports that's where i kind of found my groove um i was a, i was a, i was athletically gifted uh mentally not gifted um i would say like if i had the attitude now that i had Back then, I would have been much more successful athlete, um, but I didn't really believe in myself, you know, like a lot of kids at that age. So, um, yeah, man. And then when I got out of when I got out of high school, uh, I knew that school wasn't going to be for me. But I went anyway because I was told to. Um, I scored well on my, even though I was a, a, a CD student at Vianney, um, I scored well on my standardized tests. So I ended up going to St. Louis University here for um, a year and I hated it. Uh, I did political science. That was that was the major that I took there. Um, I liked those classes, but you know, it wasn't, I could see I wasn't gonna stick. And so then Chris and I, my business partner, um, you know, we decided to start a business and that's that's where what started this. Yeah, so. yeah, and it, it, for me, like hearing your story, because you know, initially when I first learned about you, first heard all the podcasts, like you kind of came across like everyone else, like, oh, well, this guy just has some something given yeah. to him, like he's some sort of gift or something. Yeah. And then for me, when I heard that you went to Vianney High School, yeah. I'm from the St. Louis area. Yeah. Every year, like in my youth, I would go to the Vianney basketball camp. Yeah. And when I heard that you went to that high school, for yeah. me, it just like hit me like, this guy is just a regular dude. Mm -hmm. Like anyone can do what he's done. That's, that's a correct assessment. If you ask anybody that taught me in high school, they're, they're probably shocked right now. Like, be completely honest. Um, I was a guy that, you know, I, I didn't do well in school, um, but it wasn't what I was gifted to do. You know, I feel like our academic programming right now is so focused towards uh, a standardized direction that a lot of kids get left behind and a lot of kids don't end up believing in themselves because they can't necessarily um, get into whatever it is the curriculum they're teaching right and so a lot of what what i felt myself doing was just following directions and i could follow directions you know what i mean but it's not like it was never exciting it was never rewarding and so it just was never my thing and i think a lot of kids who do poorly in school have the same experience that i had where i had teachers you know tell me now i did have good teachers too and Vianney has great, some great teachers, and I have some great people who've taught me things. But I also had some people that w do what teachers typically do to people that don't get good grades is, you know, they tell them where they should kind of fall in line in life. And uh, 
you know, I think that's a major problem in our academic system, to be completely honest, because a lot of kids who are extremely talented in other areas don't, uh, don't get the opportunities because the belief isn't built up in themselves, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, to kind of fast forward here, so you graduate high school, you go to SLU for a mm -hmm. year, and you didn't really enjoy it very much, but you started your business at 19. Where did it come to you that, like, hey, I'm going to start running this business, and where did the idea for that actual business come from? Well, there was a guy here locally in St. Louis um, who had uh, some nutrition stores, and I went and tried to get a job at his nutrition stores, and he, he uh, wouldn't hire me, okay? So... I was like, all right, and, and I don't think he wouldn't, it wasn't that he didn't believe in me or anything like that, I just think he wasn't hiring. And so I was talking to Chris, you know, who's my business partner, and I'm like, man, you know, we should just do this somewhere else, and that was kind of how it started. Like, I didn't want to do it here and compete with him, he had already been, you know, doing good things here. So I'm like, we're just going to copy his model and start somewhere else. And, um, you know, we went down to Springfield, and at first we were going to do a tanning salon, uh, but but we couldn't do the tanning salon because we didn't have any money. So we had $12,000 between us. So we, we, we uh, used that money to uh, pay the first year of rent of our retail store. Uh, and then we went and got credit cards and financed the inventory, which was $10,000 exactly. So we opened our retail store with 10 grand worth of product. I mean, and you know, people used to come in the store and I can remember we, we had just opened up and people will always say this. They would always go, man, you guys going out of business? And I would get so mad. I'm like, no, we just opened. What are you talking about? I can never understand why they were saying that. But now I look back at pictures of our store and how empty it was. And I'm like, holy shit, dude, I can't believe we did that. So it's, you know, you don't know any better, I guess. You know, and, and in the beginning, ignorance is a, is a blessing. You know what I mean? If I would have known how far we had to go, I'm not sure I would have done it. You know, but I got into the process and I got so far invested that I just, we just kept going. You know what I mean? And what was the name of the store? Supplement Superstore. There we go. Mm -hmm. um, and so you started Supplement Superstores, and in the beginning, you always talk about how much you made on the first day and then moving mm -hmm. forward through that. Uh, could you actually get into that? Because I just yeah. I love hearing that part. Yeah, man. We our first day. Uh, so we we <clears throat> we thought like a lot of business people think when they start that like all of our friends are going to buy from us, right? And that's a um, if you're thinking that right now, <clears throat> let me just save you the the time. They're not. Um, so we thought that, so our first day we're like, oh yeah, dude, all our friends, but, we, but one guy came in, his name was Nick Vespa. He bought a product for seven bucks. That was our first day. All right. And second day, we didn't see anybody. Nobody came in. The third day we sold 23 bucks. Took us eight months to have a day over $200. Um, took us six years to get a second store open. And, uh, you know, the first three years we didn't take any money. And then years uh, four through 10, we made $695 a month. So that was our pay schedule for the first 10 years we were in business. So if you back the math out, um, we, we made $58,300 uh, $58, each for 10 years worth of work. So we would have literally made more money working at McDonald's. Wow, yeah, that, that is crazy. And you know, you talk about you could have worked at McDonald's and made more money. What was it that said, hey, I'm gonna stick with this? Um, I think we're both stubborn, you know what I'm saying? And I think ego has a lot to do with that. Like a lot of people, um, you know, they blast your ego for pride and all those things. And a lot of times it is, it is, uh, most of the time it'll hurt you. But, uh, in that, in certain cases it can serve you too. So I think a lot of it was that. I think a lot of it was, um, you know, we didn't have anything else we could do. I didn't want to go do construction. 
Um, I didn't have a college degree. I didn't plan on getting one at that point. Um, so it really was, you know, a zero option mentality, which is something I talk about all the time. Like when you have zero options or zero backup plans, you, you have no other option but to go all in. And, and we were kind of blessed in a, in a situation where we didn't have a real backup plan. Um, and this goes, you know, counterintuitive what a lot of people will tell you. They say, oh, I'll always have a backup plan. I, I say never have a backup plan because when you don't have a backup plan, you're forced to go all in. Because when, when you're competing and you're in competition in business and entrepreneurship, everybody else is going all in. So if you're going in with, with you know, 60% because you could fall back on, on this other plan, you're gonna lose just by default, you know what I mean? So, you know, we didn't have a plan. And uh, I still try to run my life like that. I still try to um, convince myself, hey, look, dude, you gotta get up every day and do this or, or you're gonna be broke. And, and that's, that's to this day something I try to instill even in, uh, we have Arte Syndicate, which we coach, you know, thousands of other entrepreneurs. And one of the things I, I teach them constantly is, you know, how to cultivate the zero options mentality. Because I believe that you have to have your back against the wall all the time um, to even be in the game effectively. You know what I mean? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I know The Rock always talks about putting your back against the Fuck wall. Yeah, man. And you got to push off it. But yeah. So, Andy, then you had supplement superstores. Obviously, rough beginning starts to pick up. When did first form come into play and why? Well, we had a, a unique perspective because of the retail stores. You know, we were selling other people's products for years and years and years. And we had, we could get instant feedback with the customer, right? So like customers would come in and they would say, oh dude, I really love this. And I, we, you know, we would obviously, well, what do you like about it? Because we want to figure out what our customers want and need and what's, what the trends are and who's doing a good job. And so Chris and I, we didn't see many customers. I mean, even, this is something people don't understand. Even seven, eight, nine years in, we were still having days where we had zero people come in. So like we had a lot of time to talk. So uh, what we talked about a lot was, hey man, uh, one day we're gonna be in a position to have our own brand. And when we do that, we're gonna do it like this and this and this and this. And so one of the things that we noticed in uh, the sports supplement, which we're more, we're more uh, performance health now, but we, were, we started out in just strictly sports performance supplementation, um, was that everybody was trying to make the cheapest product that they could and sell it for the most money. And that never really made sense to me when we're talking about things that are being consumed for performance and health reasons. So just the logic, like if you wanna be healthy and you wanna perform the best, why would you not put the best things in your body? It doesn't make sense. So our first, uh, I guess, pillar of how we wanted, what we wanted to do with our brand with First Form was, you know, hey, if we ever get the opportunity to open a company, to open a brand, we're gonna do it where we make the highest quality products and we charge a fair price for them and that's gonna be it. And we're not gonna price ourselves, um, you know, with everybody else just because that's where everybody else is. And so it was a scary model because we are more expensive than most of the other companies out there. But um, if you compare our products and the quality, you're gonna know why. And so that makes us feel good at night, right? Like I can deal with someone telling me, hey man, your shit's too expensive for me. I totally get that. But what I don't, what I can't deal with is someone saying, hey man, your product sucks and you're ripping us off. You know what I mean? So that was always the foundation of what we wanted to do with First Form, and we never had the money to do it. And um, eventually, after you know ten years, we were able to, you know, 
Now, when I say we weren't getting paid, understand that we at seven, eight, nine years, we were selling a lot of products. So we were able to take a lot of money off the table and reinvest. And so we were reinvesting, reinvesting, reinvesting. And that's how First Form started to come about. And um, I, uh, there was a little bit, there was a little bit of luck. I got, I got asked to consult on a national brand's product. Um, the product was actually for Target. Uh, I was invited to consult on that product. Uh, I consulted on the product. Uh, I helped the product get to where it needed to be. And, um, and then after that, I made friends with the, the guys who were making that product. And we came to a deal where we started working together and that's how First Form was born. Now, you know, and now it's, you know, one of the, one of the best companies in the world in, in our space. It's absolutely so, huge. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, it, this is probably becoming kind of evident as you guys are listening to this, but for the audience listening, Andy, a lot of people say that you have this intensity about you and some people would even call it like extreme, but what I actually feel that it is, it's more of like this extreme high level focus that you've been able to cultivate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. A lot of people mistake it as like anger or, uh, super intense. It's not that it, what it is, is that over 20 years, uh, we're, this is our 22nd year. Um, you're going to figure out in business that everything matters. You know what I mean? And so when people hear me speak or they under, like when I'm talking about something stupid, like, uh, you know, doing little mundane tasks the proper way and I get intense about it, it's because I understand how important those things are to our overall development. And so, you know, uh, dude, being successful in any business is really, really hard. And so I choose to tell people the exact truth so they know what they're getting into. Because dude, the truth is it's not for everybody. You know what I mean? Not everybody can live that life. And entrepreneurship from a uh, social media standpoint has been glorified now to be, that wasn't the way when we started, dude. When, when we started, entrepreneurship was like, well, you're an idiot and you're a loser. You know what I mean? You're gonna be broke. And all my friends told me that. And so what I try to do is I try to make it perfectly clear to people what it's going to take to build what they want. Some people don't like it and, and that's fine with me, but I'm not lying to them. It's really fucking hard and it takes extreme levels of discipline and extreme levels of dedication to the smallest minute details of whatever it is you're doing. And if you don't give that, you're not going to make it. And I just believe that with all of my being and experience. So, I mean, the intensity comes from... I'm very competitive, uh, but I also understand what it takes and I want to communicate that effectively. And when you talk about like how social media has glorified entrepreneurship, this is definitely something that I've seen myself and it's made me realize that like people will call me an entrepreneur for what I'm doing and it's like, no, I haven't earned that title yet because I feel like everyone out there is just putting their, in their bios on every platform. It's like young entrepreneur or something like that. But for me, it's like, no, that's a title that you have to earn. I, I feel I feel that way, you know. Um, it doesn't really matter what you call yourself. You know, if you go to my title, I, mine's is regular dude. You know why? Because I know that, <clears throat> first of all, I want people to feel like what you felt. So the, the, reason, the reason I'm so uh, dedicated to the regular dude brand, all right, is because <clears throat> there's two kinds of people in this entrepreneurship game. And most of the people are people who have become successful and then what they do is they try to glorify themselves like they have some sort of superpower, right? Like, you know, 
I, I'm, I love this and this is my game and this is that and this is this. And then if you don't love it, then you feel like it's you. That's, you know what I mean? If it's, so a lot of these people out there, they're trying to sell these ideas of, you know, oh dude, you be a millionaire in 12 months or, you know, buy my shit, all these things. But the problem with that is, is that when you don't become a millionaire in 12 months, you start to think that it's you that's not good. And I've recognized that because I used to be that guy watching that, right? And so I was thinking like, I'd see all these guys who seem to have it so easy and uh, it was frustrating. I'm like, well, what am I doing wrong? What skills do I lack? And so I take the responsibility to be a role model to young entrepreneurs like yourself uh, very seriously. And I want you guys to know that I'm a regular person. I want people to know that I struggle with depression. I want people to know that this shit is hard as fuck for me too. You know what I mean? Because then you don't feel as, as, as uh, you know, outside of the bubble. You know what I mean? So hopefully what I'm trying to do with, with, with that is to make people understand, like, you guys are all perfectly capable of doing this if you're willing to do the work. I believe that. Now, are there some people in life that are going to serve french fries and, and pack boxes forever? Yes. Some people are going to do that. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're going to choose the entrepreneur life, you have to understand what it's going to take, what price you're going to pay, what the sacrifices are going to be for a normal person. I wasn't gifted, man. You know, I, 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 I had a great teacher. My dad was able to teach me so many things, never gave me any money, never financed anything, but, but having him as a teacher has made the difference. And so what I try to do now is kind of pay that forward to you guys. Because I realize not everybody has that. Not everybody has a business coach that you can talk to any single time about everything. And so when we started MSCEO Project back in 2015, which was our first podcast, um, Vaughn, my co-host, had brought that to my attention. He's like, man, you're so, you know, I never learned any of this shit. And I started, I, up until that point, I had sort of like taken it for granted. And then I'm like, no, dude, this is something everybody needs to know. Everybody should know these things. And so that's the whole purpose of how that started and got going. And, you know, my, my goal here is to help you guys understand that not only can you do it, it's your job to do it. You know what I mean? You guys are the next generation of people like me. So I try to be as transparent as possible. You know, some people think it's over the top intense or whatever, but it's not. It's just really what it takes. And as we talk about this intensity or even this, this focus, I find it extremely fascinating that you found a way to get other people to kind of find this in themselves. And you've done that through the 75 hard program. Mm -hmm. So I hope you could speak a little bit to that. Yeah. So, so, um, a few minutes ago, I mentioned, you know, when I was in high school, I had the athletic ability, but not the mentality. And that went, that was probably the first 15 years of my business life too. Like I had, I, I developed as we went through that time, but I never really could put it all together. And I knew I was soft mentally, like I, I just was. And I knew that I didn't have the mentality that I saw some other people have. And I started looking around, this was back in like 2007, 2008, for like books on how to become more mentally tough. I couldn't find anything. You know, I, I found like stories about people who were mentally tough, but never like a how to become mentally tough. And so I set out back then to try and figure out what you could do to build more toughness and more grit and more fortitude, more confidence. Because lack of confidence was something that I always struggled with too, because uh, I didn't really understand what it meant, right? Like when we're young men, you know, people will say, well, you got to be confident. Well, what does that mean? 
What does it mean to be confident? And I, I never really understood what that meant. And so what I started to do was I started to put together these things over the course of time that sort of helped me move forward in business. But what I realized was what I was really doing was teaching myself to be more mentally tough. And then a couple of years ago, uh, well, no, I guess it was a year over, a little over a year ago, I put it all together into one thing and started just talking about it. And so like I put all the tasks that I found that really worked and tested your mental fortitude into play and I call it the 75 hard program, which is a 75 day mental reconditioning program that involves a lot of very simple but important tasks that you have to accomplish on a daily basis. And so when people ask what it is, the quickest thing I can say is I, I equate it to like an Ironman for your brain, right? That's like what I would say it is for people. So uh, it's 75 days and it's a, uh, you can learn about it on 75hard.com. It'll tell you what you need to do. It's free and it works. I mean, it's gone completely viral. We had, uh, I don't even know how many millions of hashtags on TikTok. And then, uh, you know, it, it's going crazy on uh, on Instagram and the book just came out. So it's helping a lot of people. It's really, it's really cool. And, you know, you don't strike me as the person to do something, just pick random things. So where does the 75 come from? How, like, why 75 days? Well, because... 21 days is what everybody says that you need to make a habit. So basically, um, I found in time that that's complete horseshit. Uh, it's way too short of a time. And I know there's research around it, but there's not a lot of research around it. And that's to, to begin to form new habits. So what does it take to lock a habit in so you can't shake it? Because that's really what you want, right? Like you, you don't want to like just start forming a new habit. You want to have that habit so ingrained in you that you don't go back. And so uh, I knew that would be uh, longer than 21, but the truth is the way I came up with 75 days uh, was very simple. I had a huge bet that was $250,000 that I had to bet um, that I would get below 10% body fat in 75 days. Um, and, and so I, I said, all right, I'm doing this. And I came out and I said it publicly and I did it publicly and that's how it all started. So. Wow, that is, that yeah. is quite remarkable. Yeah. So, and you know, a lot of people have gone through it. I've done it, um, they've done it here. Uh, so what is it really moving forward? Do you think it'll come out with a different program? You've got phase one, phase two. Do you think this is the complete cycle or do you see an evolution happening? No, I don't know. I. For right now, I think it's pretty solid because it's all part of the Live Hard program, right? So you have 75 days, which is your first boot camp, um, and then you have three 30-day phases after that. And, it's, and it lasts for 12 months. So you have the 75 days to start, then you have phase one, which can be done right after the first 75 days. Then you have to take a mandatory 30-day break where it doesn't count at all. So you could choose to stop after 75 hard and pick up phase one 30 days or 60 days from that. But a lot of people just go right into it because the momentum gets so strong, as you guys know, that it's just easier to keep going. But uh, it's designed to, okay, put the habit in in 75 days and the phase one, then you're designed to have a break because you don't know how strong you are until you can't count those days, right? So then we have a 30-day mandatory break, and it's not a break from doing any of the tasks, it just doesn't count. Um, and a lot of people have figured this out, that it's a lot easier just to stay on and not count it, and then pick up phase two after 30 days. Because once you take those 30 days off and you go back to your old habits, it is a mofo to get it back going, right? So we have to make sure 
that we're constantly testing ourselves. So the Live Hard program is designed to keep these habits fresh and sharp over the course of the year. And the way it's really designed, which you'll find out, because I have the whole book coming out in November, which is the Live Hard book, it'll have, and I haven't said this anywhere, um, but it'll have 75 hard, all three phases, plus it'll have 12 extra chapters on mental toughness. So it'll be a complete book on this. And the, the program, just so people understand, is designed to be done every year of your life. Because how many times have we done one thing and then our life just goes back to normal, right? This program is designed to keep you on a high level for the rest of time if you choose to go through it, and it will. Um, but yeah, you know, it's not for everybody. It's, it takes a big commitment, as you guys know, and, uh, but the payoff is big too. Absolutely. And as you talk about how it's not for everybody, um, you know, obviously it comes in down to a limiting mindset or a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Andy, if someone views themselves as ordinary, incapable of massive success, incapable of creating the life that you've earned for yourself, what would you tell that person? Well, they better stop thinking of themselves like that and start. And I, I think they can understand. I, I think everybody, look, man, I still feel ordinary. All right. Like, and, and DJ sitting here, you can vouch for this. I, I'm confused at what the fuck is going on in my life. Like, it is weird to me. Like, people look up to me. They want to talk to me. We're successful in business. Bro, I still feel like I'm your age. For real. You know what I mean? It's confusing to me. So, like, your question by nature is confusing to me. Because I still feel like an ordinary dude. So, the truth is, I think if you see yourself as an ordinary person, understand that you've probably been mentally programmed to think that way over your whole life. You have guidance counselors who tell you, you know, hey man, the best thing for you to do is to go out and, you know, get a, get a job in construction or get a job doing this or get a job doing that. And, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. But you have to understand that the people telling you that are the people who are living at that level, right? So like if you want to know what you're really capable of, you got to start getting your, your opinions and your advice from people who have achieved more because they're all normal people. They're all regular people, just like you, just like me, just like these guys who have done extraordinary things. So I think a lot of it just has to do with who we decide to put our faith in. And, and, and the truth is, is that after generation, after generation, after generation, you know, we are taught to live a certain way, work at a certain type of job, live a certain kind of lifestyle. And, and, and that's okay. But you have to realize that that's not your destiny if you don't want it to be. You know, it's okay to want more. It's okay to want to be better. And for me, I think it's more than that. I think it's an obligation because, and I, and I think this is a big reason for why we've had growth because all of the people who are key people in our companies all uh, subscribe to this mentality, which is it's our obligation to do things the right way so that guys like you and girls your age who want to be entrepreneurs can see that and say, we can do that. So, um, because if we don't set that example, who's going to set it? I don't see a lot of people setting it, you know? So a lot of people would rather just glorify themselves and say how gifted they are and then charge a bunch of money for you to come learn from them. I don't, I don't know. That's not, that's not my vibe. You know what I mean? I'd rather, I'd rather inspire people through our true, honest, uh, story and show people, you know, Hey man, uh, your, lim your limits are where you want them to be. And, and, and when you're 17, 18, 19 years old, it's hard to realize that because 
you know, maybe you don't even know another successful person. Because I can remember when I was 17, 18 years old, I only knew one person that I thought was successful. I know just one. But man, I thought about that dude all the time. You know what I mean? I'm like, I want to be like that. And um, we have to have that. We all have to have that one person or those two people that we look at and say, that's what I aspire to be. And, you know, I'm not perfect by any means, bro. And none of us are. But I, I try to do the best that I can in that way, you know. And that answer you just gave is one of the reasons I was so excited to have you on the podcast because, you know, if you're listening and you want a brief update, like venture mentality, venture, the definition I chose is a daring undertaking or journey. And the mentality obviously is the mindset. And Andy, you fully embody that because any person who starts like on the ground, like you did, has to go through that undertaking journey, that terribly daring journey to get to where they are today and then go back and help the other people and help them figure out where to go from there. So it, I, that answer is just perfect, man. Yeah, thanks, man. I just think it's important, you know, to, for all of us to understand that none of us are, dude, none of us have these super gifts that we think people possess. If some people will pretend to have them. They don't fucking have them either. Because I'm going to tell them, you know, all you, you young guys who are sitting in this room, who follow all the other guru dudes. I know them all personally, all right? So I know what superpowers they have and don't have. There are none of them that have a superpower. What they have is the ability to continue moving forward when bad shit happens. I believe that to be successful, you need two qualities that you have to have. One, you have to be able to learn from your mistakes. If you're so stupid that you make the same mistake over and over and over again, you're gonna, you should do something else. All right, that's the truth. Second, you have to be able to not quit. You have to be able to get out of bed in the morning when everything's on fire and everybody hates you and everybody's mad at you and everybody's disappointed at you and you have to get up and face it and do what you gotta do. And that's it. If you have the ability to persevere and you have the grit and the fortitude and you have the ability to learn from your mistakes, there's no limits to how far you can go. The only limit is how much time you have, you know? So, uh, I, all of you young guys who are listening, young girls listening right now who are, who are thinking like, man, because I used to think like this. I used to see it sort of like a lottery. Like I, I would see it like, and this is, this is where I have this thing called the success fairy that I talk about. But the success fairy is like how I, it's truly how I used to think about, about success. It sounds stupid. But I would see like, okay, I wonder if I'm going to be the one that the, 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 success fairy blesses to be successful because I thought there was like a luck thing to it or a, but there isn't. And that's the, but you don't understand that until you're into the journey. You know what I mean? When you're 10, 15 years in the journey and you look back, you're going to be like, fuck it. Was that simple? It's simple. Now it's not easy, but it's simple and it's not magic. So I would, um, I mean, can you relate to that feeling? You know, yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? You guys, like that's how I've always felt. Like I've always felt like, oh dude, I wonder if it's gonna be me. No, it will be you if you do what's necessary. And that's really what it comes down to. I mean, I love, uh, I love simple but not easy because mm -hmm. so many people don't even realize that they know what they need to mm -hmm. do, but the not easy part means that there's that resistance between actually doing it and knowing what to do. That's right. And that's where something uh, like 75 hard is super valuable too, because what it does is it teaches you to regulate the two voices that we have in our brain. We all have two voices. It's all, all of us. We have, and some of us, you know, may have a bunch more voices too. <laughs> but, but dude, we all have at least two. One is the voice that says, hey, this is what we gotta do, all right? And the other voice says, hey, 
that couch feels pretty good right now. Uh, you know, uh, I'm watching Black Hawk Down, dude. I don't, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen that, but it's worth watching. I'm chilling, man. This is great. I do not want to get up off the couch and go do my cardio. I do not want to get up off the couch and go do my weights. I don't want to open that book. So what 75 Hard does is teaches your two voices how to communicate together. And it most people will give more power to the, the bitch voice is what I call, right? That's And the reason I call it the bitch voice is because it's the voice that gets you to bitch out, all right? And then you have the boss voice. And the boss voice is the voice that says, hey, man, get the fuck up. Let's go. And what 75 Heart ultimately does, and I think you guys will attest to this, is it ultimately teaches your boss voice to be in charge of your bitch voice. And that's the most powerful thing that any of us can have. Because if we could change our ability to follow through on the things we know we need to do, then there's no limits to how far we can go. But most people give so much voice and so much room to the voice that causes them to not do the good things and they don't realize it, right? So what we're trying to do through 75 Hard is bring awareness to where when you know your bitch voice is screaming, your boss voice still forces you up to go finish it. And so once you get through 75 days of that, you're in a good spot, but it, it will go away. It will go away. It's not. It's a per, discipline is a perishable skill. Mental toughness is a, per, a perishable skill. It's just like uh, any sport. You know, if you sit out for two or three years at a highly competitive level, you're not going to be very good. It's the same thing with this, and that's why it's a yearly program that you're supposed to dedicate to every year. That's an absolute game changer. Trust me, guys. As we start to wrap this up, Andy, I'll link your social media uh, for everyone so you can check it out. They can put the book in there too. But I have one last question, but first, a little bit of background for you. So when you die, the only thing that matters is the difference that you made or the impact that you had. So that being said, what difference or what impact are you looking to make? Look, man, at this point, I have an awesome life, right? Like, I do everything I want to do. There's nothing really more that I want personally uh, other than I want to see my guys out here win and I want to see our customers and our people that the people that follow me improve. And, um, you know, I, I think it's all about what you can do to help other people. I've always thought that. I think it's the, the secret to success in business as well. And so, you know, I'm not really too worried about how people remember me other than, you know, I just want to, I, really, it has nothing to do with what people think. It has to do how I feel when I'm, when I'm gonna die. You know what I'm saying? Um, I could care less if people remember me or not. That's not important to me. Uh, but what is important to me is how I feel about it. Did I give? all that I could give? Did I do the right things? Did I help people with my, with my opportunity? You know, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, I pray. Uh, and one of the things I always pray when I was broke was, God, if you help me become something, I'll, I'll do good with it. And I said that every day. And so I stand by that because I think it's important to stand by your word. So I try to do the best that I can with the opportunity that I've been given by, um, you know, so many other people believe in us and, you know, Hopefully at the end of my life, I'll be proud of that. You know what I'm saying? I think if, I, if something were to happen today, I would be.